first awesome, powerful speaker, Pastor Thomas. So everyone, give him a hand. Welcome. Thank you, Pastor Dallas. Thank you, worship team. Awesome worship this morning. Amen, church. Jesus, your presence is like heaven to me. Oh, I love that. Amen. The presence of God is here with us this morning. Uh, who can uh, agree to that? Um, before I start, I'd just like to pray, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Father, I just want to um, acknowledge you in this place, Lord Father, and I, I just want to um, ask you, Lord, that your heart be known here, Lord Father, and that your word uh, go out and be heard, and that your kingdom be seen and entered into, Lord God, uh, today for your people, Lord God. So we just pray a blessing, Lord God, over your word and over these mighty men that will be sharing this morning, Lord God, and that we have an open heart to hear what you're saying to your church. In your precious name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I was quite excited to bring um, this word this morning. Man, these lights are bright, eh? <laughs> I was quite excited to bring this word this morning because of where we are as a church uh, this season, and we're entering into this promised land, amen. And... Um, and, you know, it can be daunting, it can be um, exciting, it can be, you know, all these sorts of uh, feelings, um, you know, that we experience when we experience something new. But um, God wants to reassure us that he is for us, amen, that he, is, um, he, he loves us and that he, he wants the, the very best for each and every one of us. I'm reminded of the story of, um, of Mary and the wedding um, that had happened um, when Jesus was with um, Mary and, and their family, and they they were um, celebrating the wedding um, the third day, and they had run out of wine. <clears throat> oh, by the way, my message is called Faith uh, for Tomorrow Now, and um, they had run out of wine, and um, Mary said to Jesus, um, "We've run out of wine. Can you do something about it?" And Jesus said something like, um, it's not my time yet, um, you know, that's, but um, Mary continued and said, um, and um, delegated to other men to follow Jesus' instructions, and Jesus went to go on and, 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 and perform his first miracle, amen? So what I wanted to, in that illustration, what I wanted to say is that even though we are looking forward to, to entering into whatever it may be that God has for us in each and every one of us in our hearts, that we can have that now when our hearts are right with him, when now we are aligned with him, that we can pull that, that miracle, that need right here, right here, right now, and manifest it. So that's part of my message, and that's what I'm going to break this thing down to so that we can uh, break through into this new season and enter in. Amen. The first scripture is, faith without actions is dead, James 2.17. If Jesus is the answer, then we must first acknowledge that there is a need and there is a problem. Faith doesn't deny, I like what Bill Johnson says, faith doesn't deny that problem, a problem exists. It just denies a place of influence. Once, one of the things that I have noticed when people work hard at cultivating a faith culture is that they unintentionally start to live in denial. That certain problems and challenges or things that are out of order don't exist. 
this is not health this is not a healthy way to live because it doesn't make us really capable of addressing the things that are going on around us amen if jesus is the answer then first we have to acknowledge that there is a need and a problem faith doesn't deny a problem that exists it just denies a place of influence first we have to acknowledge that there is a problem then what i have chosen to do in my own life is to think and pray in that I will examine the problem and I will find and look at it deeply so that I will understand what is the needs and what needs to happen from here. Secondly, I will seek Jesus, the answer. I will fill my heart with what God is doing and then I will listen to what God is saying. I will go over what God has spoken to me in recent months or weeks or even years and see whether there is any insight or any uh, promise or any ingredient that, um, that he has given me to, ad- to help me address this problem or, or fulfill this need. You know, it's important that we align ourselves with, with God and, and his heart and what he is doing, like Mary did. Um, she was a, a righteous woman. She was, you know, favored upon God and stuff like that. And Jesus also saw that. And that he was able to perform that miracle. He was put in that position of power. And when we stay in that position of power, when we stay in the spirit of God or in the presence of God and we acknowledge God in our situation, he can bring that, that, he can bring that breakthrough where we are able to enter into that kingdom. Amen. God doesn't put us in a place where, we're, where we are ill-equipped. We, sometimes it feels like it. But if, if you would stop and begin to... If you would stop and and being intimidated by the size of the problem, and if we would start looking over our life, generally we will see that God has spoken to us, preparing us for the challenges that we are now facing. If we can step out of fear, because fear causes us to forget the tools that God has put in our possession. So if we could step out of fear and don't allow the problem to have place of influence in our thinking and in our emotions and in our value systems. And if we can succeed there, then I will start to find the tools and the insights and the word of promises and the things that really take us into the breakthrough that we really long for. Amen. I remember a time when um, Sandy and I were over in New Zealand and um, we were just newly married and stuff like that. We just got into our new rental place and we were uh, working to get into uh, a home of our own and, and um, upgrading our car and, um, you know, getting the other bits and pieces of, of, of um, necessities of life, you know, to, um, you know, to have a, a good lifestyle and, and, and um, a happy marriage. And uh, we worked really hard. We got good paid jobs. Uh, you know, we went to church regularly and stuff like that, but we didn't quite seem to break through to the other side in terms of to, to where we wanted to, really wanted to be and getting a home and stuff. And um, we started to pray. We just happened to be in a really good church and a really good spiritual environment where we, uh, the presence of God was really strong. And um, I was able to reflect back on the promises of God that God had prayed over me while I was here seeking God. Um, you know, about he, what he wanted in my own life. And he reminded me of that, that, that God had, that he had given me an inheritance here in Australia. 
So um, we really felt that the word was really current for us at that time, and we needed to activate that. So what did that mean for us? Well, meaning that we needed to do some research, we needed to find out whereabouts in Australia that, that, that God is leading us, whether it be in Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane or over in Perth or wherever it will be in the bush somewhere. But, um, but we needed to act. You know, just, we, we couldn't just have that word and not act and just wait upon God to move, amen? We needed to act. We needed to move. We needed to sell up what we had. We needed to, to reduce what we had and start to move into the promises of God. We uh, went into Melbourne. We had a look around, you would know, see, and, and just to explore the city and find out whether that's the city that we needed to live in. And then we went to Sydney. We did the same there. And we just really felt that God was leading here to Brisbane. And uh, we, we settled here, we, we brought her home, and, and, and things started to really open up for us. We, our jobs started to come through, things were beginning to be much more easier, and um, you, know, we, we, you know, we got a home and, and other bits and pieces that, we've, that was, has been on our heart. And, um, and it's important for us to start to really activate what God's promises and what he has put into, into your heart. It's not enough to just to decree and declare and to confess what God has done. It's time to start to move and activate and start to stir what God is doing. Amen. I want to encourage you um, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is, not, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Learn to be really proactive and being strong inside, internally strong. Be strong because we are encouraged. Courage is on the inside of us. Courage is internal and is eternal. It is something that bursts out of us because we have been feeding on the testimony of who God is. We have been feeding on, our, on the promises that he has given us and that we just can't help but be encouraged. Amen. When you're connected to the one who sees the answers to the present problem, you never have to be afraid. You don't have to fall into fear because he already sees the beginning from the end. Amen. He has given us and you uh, the, the spirit to be uh, encouraged. When you're connected to the one who sees the problem and the present problem, you never have to be afraid. I've gone through that one. Um, God knows what is coming our way and prepares us. Amen. Not for survival, but for victory. That's who we are. We are an overcomer. He created us to be an overcoming culture, a community of believers. It's our nature in God. Uh, it's normal for us to believe. Um, it's normal for us to trust in God. And it is what we are to uh, it is what we are to be when we are born again. It's our. Um, what he is doing and find out what is happening. So turn to what God is doing. Find out what is happening. You will be encouraged just by. You'll be encouraged and the courage will just come out of you. It will just be in, uh, contagious to, to people. Amen. When you're, when you're just having a heart of, of thankfulness, it's very, you know. It, it just can, helps you connect to God at that present time, amen? And it helps you to push through. Uh, what is wonderful about faith culture is when people start to expect God uh, to invade the impossible. I've got a story that I just want to share with you. I don't, some of you have probably heard it before. I'm sure uh, many of you have heard the story of the great tightrope walker, uh, Blondin. 
He was one of the greatest tightrope walkers of all time, and there are many legends told of feats he performed. One of the most often told stories, Blondin, is on his crossing over the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. He, report, uh, he reportedly did that several times. At some point, he turned to his large audience, which included numerous reporters from various newspapers. He asked them, how many believe that I can walk across this tight rope over the falls pushing a wheelbarrow? The people cheered loudly. They were sure the great Bodlin, uh, Blondin would do it. Then he asked, how many believe I can push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope with a man sitting in it? Again, there was a loud response. Blondin then pointed out to one of the most enthusiastic men in the audience and said, okay, you, get into the wheelbarrow. Needless to say, the man made a quick exit. Blondin demonstrated that there is often a great difference between belief, the faith we say we have, and the action faith we really have. The measure of faith is not our talk, it is our walk. It is what we do. It is not what we say. It is what we will do. Sometimes it's not enough to simply have or to believe in a great idea. We need to also act on it. We start telling each other what we believe belongs to us. It's a confession. It's a declaration. Jesus, Jesus actually did it. It was amazing. Before he ever started his ministry, he announced that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and that he announced that what he was going to do. He was declaring, that, he was declaring what belonged to him. These realms of God belong to me is what he was doing. He invited us into that same relationship. But here's the challenge. Is that so many people I have found announce what belongs to them but just stay in their comfort location? They don't become inconvenienced and sometimes you have to go through what, uh, go through that veil of inconvenience to really step into the realm of the kingdom. In Mark 7.27, Jesus ministered to the Greek woman. She said she wanted her daughter to be free. She was demonically um, possessed. And he said, I can't give you the children's bread to dogs. You know, churches have been split you know, over less offense than this. To imply that a woman is a dog, but then to com but then but that comment provided an obstacle for her to overcome. And when she overcame that obstacle, she walked through that veil of offense. On the other side she found the kingdom. She found she also found her daughter. Amen. So whatever obstacles we face, church, you know, know that beyond that is the kingdom and, and the breakthrough that we're looking for, that we're longing for. Sometimes there are obstacles to the breakthrough that we long for. It is just essential that we recognize that on the other side of the obstacle or on the other side of the curtain, so to speak, is the breakthrough that we long for. What it comes down to is that faith will explore what revelation reveals. It's not good enough that I can tell you what belongs to me. It's not good enough to tell you that I am blessed and eternally blessed. That's fine. But it has to be demonstrated. How somehow measurable. 
The impact of real faith is measurable. It can be evaluated. It can be examined. We can see where we are weak, and we can see where we are strong. I want to encourage you in this statement. Faith explores the revelation revealed. What that means is that faith will take you to to explore the realm and territory that God has called you to. Amen? Imagine with me you had an inheritance of, um, of a large property. And, I mean, for I'll take you back to the story when Sandy and I came to um, Australia. Um, you know, the, it needed to be more than just looking in a book and finding out what Australia was about and reading about it. We really needed to come here and explore Australia for what it really was, to really understand that this is where God had called us to. Amen. Um, and, that's, and that's my encouragement uh, for us, is that wherever God has called uh, you today, is, um, you know, go out and explore it. Go in faith that where God has called you to. Go with the Spirit of God and find out, you know, what it is all about, you know, and, um, and be blessed. You know, whether it be a business or whether it be a new clothing um, line or whether it be um, a new haircut or whether it be get into a new relationship, whatever it may be, have faith and know that God is for you and move in in that spirit and enter into that place um, of blessing. Amen? Cool. Well, um, I'd just like to introduce Pastor Danny and he's going to be preaching on hope. So let's give him a big hand. Morning, church. Praise God for opportunity to speak in the house. Amen. Hallelujah. Like what Pastor Della said this morning, this is our house, forever house. Hallelujah. So it's my pleasure this morning to speak on hope. And uh, I want to start by saying that the God we serve is a God of hope. He is a God of great expectation, a God of divine plan and purpose. And if you don't know him personally, yet it is my hope and expectation before you leave this house, you'll be considering a commitment to him because this amazing God would like to make a commitment to you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the power of your word, Lord God. We thank you that your word will not come back to you void, but it would accomplish that which you've sent it out to do. In the name of Jesus, have your way as you minister to your people, because Holy Spirit, it's all about what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look, I really only want to share two points, a couple of points this morning. And, uh, and I sort of want to interchange and chop them around and sort of just in and out of them. First point is this. He is the God of great expectation. And he is the God of a divine plan and a divine purpose. First of all, I'd like to uh, start with giving us a definition of hope because I'm sure everybody here has a understanding of what hope could be. I myself used to wonder what hope was, but that's me. Anyway, hope is this. A feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Let me say that again. Hope is a feeling of expectation 
and desire for a particular thing to happen. Now, as an example, look, I'd really like to become a millionaire. Oh, I desire that quite a bit. Not that I'm greedy, but, you know, if you have nothing to help anybody with, then you can't really be a blessing. Is that right? But the more you have, the more you're able to give. Amen. So what is hope? That's what hope is. It's that feeling of great, or let me take the great out, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. So when everybody's on that page, I want to go here. God gives us dreams, amen? He gives us goals, desires, and talents so that we can be a blessing to wherever we're at and to whoever we're with. If you believe that, say amen. Man, hallelujah. Now, God expects different amounts of things from each one of us. From some of us, he expects more. Others, he'll expect a bit less. And why is that? Why would God expect more from some people than he would from others? Doesn't he want the same thing from all of us? Yes, he does want the same thing, but yet God has been able to do a lot more with those that have walked with him longer. So to whom much is given, much is expected. If you've only recently just given your heart to the Lord as an example, then you're learning how to appropriate God in your life, in your heart, in the way you live for him. Amen? So God takes you on this journey and he helps you to understand his ways, his concepts, so that you can allow him to have more and more of him. Hallelujah. Now, look, could I get everybody to repeat these three things after me? It's not about you. It's not about us. It's all about him. Now, 1986, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I had this desire in my heart. I really wanted to go to India. And there was a visiting team that came and invited people to come to India. And uh, I asked the Lord, Lord, can I go to India? The Lord said, no. Okay. The following year, another team came, invited the church. I prayed and had, asked the Lord, can I go to India? He said, no. Okay. The following year, same thing, same response. Anyway, after six years <laughs> of asking God, can I go to India? What do you think he said? Yeah. Okay, who, uh, can I just have a bit of crowd participation? Who, just show your hands. Who reckons God said to me, yes, go? Okay, and uh, who reckons that God said no? Okay, the no's have it. God said no. <laughs> Seven years though. On the seventh year, I persevered because there was that desire in my heart that I really wanted to go to India just to do a little missions trip. I wanted to see people healed. I wanted to see people, uh, miraculous healings. 
So in the seventh year, who reckons God said yes? Show hands, please. Who reckons God said no? Thank you, the no's have it. God said no. You know, sometimes we ask God for things and he says no. And we were thinking, oh, why not? I was thinking, that. oh, why not? And my mind was thinking, oh, it's such an easy thing for you to do, God, to let me go. <laughs> Ten years. Ten years later, after asking him year after year after year, what do you think God said to me? Let's see. Uh, show of hands, please. Who reckons God said yes? Who reckons God said no? The no's have it. God said no. So you know what I did? I just forgot all about it. <laughs> Years passed. On the 13th year, oh, I had that desire again. And I asked God, can I go to India? Who reckons God said yes? Show of hands, please. 13th year, who reckons God said no? Oh, some of you aren't sure. <laughs> but the no's have it. God said no. <laughs> Look, 14 years, all right? We'll persevere with this a little bit longer. 14 years, who reckons God said yes? You've always been saying yes. <laughs> who reckons God said no? I'm sorry, the yeses have it. God, let me go to India on the 14th year. And I thought, okay, let me say this. I was just newly married to Sarah. And uh, when the visiting preacher had invited a team to come over, I shot a cook arrow prayer up to the Lord and I said, Lord, can I go to India? And I heard him say, yes. I go, oh, yes. And then I looked down at Sarah, because we're newly married. And we've got five kids. I was a solo dad with four. She was a solo mum with one. And I says to her, honey, you okay if I go to India? <laughs> she looks up and says, what makes you think you're going by yourself? I was more thinking about the bank balance. I got zero dollars. <laughs> but when God says yes, when you go according to his will, he will pay the bill. Yeah. But if it's not your timing, you just got to wait. Hallelujah. Look, the point of my testimony is this. I've broken it into two parts. First part of that is... It's not about you. It's not about what you want to do for God. It's not about me and what I want to do for God. It's all about us following his plan, his purpose for what he wants to do at his timing to do the things that God does best. Ow! And the other part of the point of that testimony is Look, God gives us dreams, gives us desires in our hearts, goals and talents to use for his glory. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not God. Amen? It just could mean 
you don't have the right timing yet. But hope is a key ingredient to keep these dreams, goals, desires, and talents alive. Because hope just keeps on hoping. But the other end of the scale to that is hope deferred makes the heart sick. Proverbs 13 verse 12. Now, hope is one of those assets that you actually need in life to become successful. I don't know about you, but uh, when I go to a funeral and you look around the room and you see the ones that are mourning and you see the ones that are really mourning, Now, I'm not saying we're not to mourn, but the Bible tells us that we're not to mourn like the world mourns for their dead. They mourn as if there's no hope for a better future. This this life that we live in, it fades away like the grass. But the hope that we have in God is like, wow, man, money can't buy this feeling. Amen? That he's got something great for us in the near future. Hallelujah. And <laughs> have you been to a funeral where the family aren't saved? Man, the feeling of despair that the family have, it's, it's, sometimes it's like almost unbearable that, you know, it's like they've lost everything in this person that's passed away and it's, shocking but this is the goodness of what God has done for us when he gives us this hope we can pass it on we can give it away and there'll be plenty more where that came from hallelujah now I didn't want to finish on a bad note so I thought you know hope is one of those words that can fit into one of those slogans or catchphrase if you like Like the Nike, just do it. You put in hope, just do it. (laughs) Or the fresh up one that says, it's got to be good for you. Hope, it's got to be good for you. (laughs) And I want to finish with this shortly. American Express, don't leave home without it. Hope, (laughs) do not leave home without it. So in closing, eternity calls us to hope, but I would like to call you to faith, hope, and love. And according to 1 Corinthians, the greatest of these is love. Please put your hands together as we welcome up Pastor Jace. Why, thank you. How good, Pastor Thomas and Pastor Danny. It's really, it is, I've been in churches where the one and only pastor is dry and lifeless and you sit there going, I don't know if I can make another half an hour. (laughs) But it's so good here, it's so good having senior pastor Brad and pastor Thomas, strong man of God, pastor Danny resident comedian. No. 
<laughs> so I really like what they said, um, especially Pastor Thomas. Faith is not what we say, it's what we do. That it's a, li- it's a lifestyle of action, isn't it? It's not, oh, you know, I'm believing for this, I'm believing for this. But what are you believing for when no one's looking or no one's listening? That's, yeah, it's the life of action. And according to his will, he will pay the bill. <laughs> I like that one. It rhymes. Maybe that can be a new slogan too. <laughs> but he actually, Pastor Danny and I must have been on the same wavelength because we finish, he finished with the verse that I'm starting with. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now it sounds pretty impressive, doesn't it? If the Bible says the greatest of these is love, it means it's really important. It's something we need to focus on. Faith and hope are essential to the Christian walk. You cannot, have, cannot be a Christian without faith or without hope. But the amazing thing about love is that it actually incorporates both of those. So we should take notice of, of love. And one of the most important things we need to do is ask questions. You know when you, you see like these little kids and they're standing there and they're like, oh, we're going to do this now. Why? And you're like, because we've just got to do this. But why? And then, because we've just got to get this done and got to do this. Why? And they just keep asking, why, why, why? And do you, ah! <laughs> All the things I've got to look forward to, amen? <laughs> I said to my wife last night, I said, I'll be like, just Google it. No. <laughs> I won't. We won't let her have a phone. No. <laughs> the Bible says, Bible says that we need to have faith like a child. But it also says that if you ask and keep on asking, you will receive. So sometimes we need to ask like a child too. So when we, the Bible says the greatest of these is love, why? <laughs> because the Bible says so. Why does it say so? Because it's the truth. Why is it the truth? Because the Bible says so and it's God's word, so it's the truth. Okay? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Our persistence into discovering the foundation of truth is what will bring progressive and fresh revelation of God's word. I'll say that again. Our persistence into discovering the foundation of truth is what will bring progressive and fresh revelation of God's word. You know when the word seems old and dry and you're just reading through and you're like, I'm not getting anything out of this. You know what you do? You don't give up. You persevere. You pray. You ask God, show me something new. I'm hungry. I want to persist. I want to persevere until you get me something out of your word. I know that you wrote it for such time and a season as this. But love is the greatest because it's eternal. Now, faith, our faith will come to fulfillment. And our eyes will see everything that we previously could not see. Our hope will be realized when God gives us all the things that he had planned to give us, which is what our hope should be for. But our love will continue throughout eternity. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love never fails. The Greek word for fail or faileth, if you like the old King James, is ekpipto, which means to drop away or to be driven out of one's course. Your life, your life's course is full of God's love. Your beginning started with God's love and your destination is the love of God. It can never be driven out of your life, no matter what battles you face. Even if you turned away from God, 
even if you're suffering in the darkness of depression, even if you feel isolated and orphaned, even if you've destroyed everything you have, even if you've lost everything that you hold dear, even if you try and you fail day after day, even if you feel dead inside, even if you feel surrounded by the enemy, even if you feel powerless and hopeless and lifeless, there is nothing in all creation that is ever able to separate us from the unlimited love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. That's right. Your life and his love are inseparable. That's amazing, isn't it? When you think about it, your life and his love cannot be separated. You can walk away from God. You can turn away from God and never have him in your life. But he will always love you. That's why it's the greatest. But you know what? There's no escape from God's love. I put it here. You know how the Bible describes him as the Lion of Judah? Is not like the kitten of Judah or the sweet little puppy of Judah. It's the lion of Judah. So I thought I'd put love in a ferocious sense. So there is no escape. His love will hunt you down. It'll catch you no matter how hard you run or how far you go. It'll tear away all the hurt and the pain from your heart. It'll rip the chains off your mind. It will consume you and transform you into his likeness. It's pretty cool, eh? Love can be ferocious. It can be beautiful and gentle, and it can be strong and ferocious. I love it. Love is the essence of God's character because, like God, it is eternal. It is the strongest power in the universe. It is the greatest. 1 John 4 verse 8 in the Amplified says, The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. He is the originator of love, and he... And it is the enduring attribute of his nature. I really like that. God is the originator. It's like it's the terminator, but with love. He's the originator. (laughs) So now that we know that love is the greatest, what are we going to do with it? What do we do with this greatest gift? To be honest with you, if I can be honest this morning, have you guys ever struggled to love people? (laughs) I struggle. I struggle, this is based on 1 Corinthians 13, I struggle to be patient, to be kind, to not be jealous, to not be proud, to not be rude, to not be selfish, to not be quickly angered. I struggle to forget people's wrongdoings. I struggle sometimes to shun evil, to protect, to trust, to hope and to persevere. I struggle with all that. And that's not just on a one-off kind of thing, that's on a daily basis. And I ask God, why is it so hard? To love people. If God made people, why don't you make them likable? <laughs> doesn't have to be lovable. Just make them likable. Come on. If you're going to command us, go and love people, at least make it easy. Come on. <laughs> but God showed me this. If you read that 1 Corinthians 13, 13 again, but you read from the Amplified Version, and now there remain faith, which is the abiding trust in God and His promises, hope, the confident expectation of eternal salvation, And love, the unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. These three are the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. I really love the description that it gave there, the unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. And I came across something really interesting while I was studying. Did you know that Jesus didn't start his ministry until God publicly declared how much he loved him? Matthew 3, verse 17. This is just after Jesus, who the Bible says had given up all the outward expression of his divine deity and assumed the form of a servant, 
It says that in Philippians 2. After he was baptized by John the Baptist, after the Spirit of God descended upon him, it says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased and delighted. You know, this moment, this baptism, the anointing of the Spirit, this public declaration of love, that was the start of Jesus' full-time ministry. God himself saying, this is my beloved son who I love, who I'm well pleased and delighted. And he gave his spirit put upon him and he was baptized and that was the start of it. Did you guys realize that we've also experienced a public declaration of God's love? And it looked a bit like this. When Jesus hung on the cross for all the world to see, when he gave up his life for us, We've also been baptised. We've also seen, received the Holy Spirit upon our life. So do you think it's our time to go into full-time ministry of loving people? We've been commanded to love. John 15, verses 12 to 13. Now this is my commandment. And again, I'll read from the Amplified because it just gives a lot more meat to the verse. This is my commandment, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, just as I have loved you. No one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his life for his friends. I realise this. My struggle to love comes from my striving to love in my own ability and out of my own strength. The power to love others as God loves them comes simply from the power of God loving us. Can I get you up, Byron? His love flows through us. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. Not because we are so full of it or we've got the ability or the capacity. We just love because he first loved us. Our ability comes from his gift. Our capacity to love is based on our capacity to receive his gift. Did you know that if you put a cup on the counter and you pour water into it, The cup will only hold what a cup will hold. Everything else will go to waste. So the the vessel, the cup, cannot ever pour out more than what was poured into it. And if you look at this in the terms of God's love in your life, if you struggle with loving people, or if you have times where you get tired and sick and tired of people or dealing with them, maybe your, your cup's running a bit dry. Maybe, maybe your capacity is not where it needs to be at for that person or for that moment or for, that, or you're for your family. I know about families. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. I've got, I've got a blended family. I've got my dad's remarried. I've got four natural sisters and I've got another three stepsisters and a stepbrother and then each of those have partners and some of those have kids. And my sisters, three of them have partners my mum's onto her fiance for a third marriage. <laughs> There's a lot of people, and, a lo- and I'm the only one that's in church. So there's a lot of people to love. <laughs> there's a lot of people to pour out. Um, you know, this love from God is a great. It's a great challenge, but it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to expand capacity. You know, if you increase the size of that cup, if you take that cup. You make something bigger when you put a, a pot there. You can fill it up with more. 
If you take that pot away and you put a 44 gallon drum there and fill that up, you can pour out 44 gallons. I really think, I really believe that today is a day for all of us to expand our capacity. We all, we're all at certain points along the walk with Christ. We all have certain capacities to love. Danny might have a 44 gallon drum. I might have a cup. We've all got, we've all got certain capacities. But I really believe that today is a day to expand our capacity, to, to receive a fresh revelation about how much God loves you so that you can go out and love people so much more, to be equipped in this room to go out into the world, to receive more here so that we can give more out there, to be loved so that we can love others.